Hello, guys, and welcome to a mini episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. It once again is the bearded one, Sterling, here to navigate you through the A Quiet Place podcast. I'm joined today by the living proof who, when he's not body slamming people in the ring, he's just a simple salmon eating enthusiast, Justin Taylor. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hello, everyone. All right. And I'm sorry I got everybody's hopes up last time. No, she was not formally an exotic dancer. That's just a color choice of one of our shirts in the Cinema Slayers (laughs) web store. Heather. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Sorry to disappoint, but um, hopefully you'll still keep listening anyway. (laughs) And then we are also joined today by a self-proclaimed renegade badass who lives in oklahoma who says he has opinions while he is active in his community devin hey guys how's it going i'm glad you made the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice caramel voice so like between you and me we're kind of like a milky way we are (laughs) and and i I got 230 pounds of chocolate for the audience via (laughs) film critiques so not as sexual but it's it still should make for a for a good conversation. But no, we are here today because we all have seen a quiet place. We're just going to give you guys a little little tidbit of us just talking about that film and what we thought and everything like that. So starting it off, will be anyone who talks next. All right, I'll go. See that right there was a synopsis of the quiet place right there. <laughs> that that beat of silence. That's what that's really really describe. <laughs> the the vast majority of the film um and i think that if you just loop this or, or or rewind it over and over again you'll pretty much have the entirety of the movie down you don't even need to go to the theater and actually see this film <laughs> because it is quite the quiet movie um but all jokes aside um i really enjoy the film i i give it a straight eight out of ten um a few things that I really loved about A Quiet Place is it really does show you with the premise how much it sucks to have kids and what an inconvenience <laughs> they are <laughs> as a parent. I think that was like parent, the tagline of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Being, being a parent is so inconvenient. It could kill you. I just I as I was watching it because I'm a father of two. I have a wife and all that good stuff. Um, I cannot imagine a scarier situation than being hunted by monsters attracted by sound with a three and a five year old. Uh, it's pretty much a death sentence. Um, and I love mm-hmm. the little details. Um, this is going to be a bit of a spoiler, but why are you listening to this if you haven't seen the movie? So, um, <laughs> small things they did in the opening scene. It shows them in the grocery store, and it's apparent that some time has passed. You know, windows are broken, there's food stuffs missing, so on and so forth. And it's going down the aisles, and so you see that, you know, a lot of them have been stripped bare. And then, like, it goes down one aisle, and it's the potato chip aisle, and, like, all the potato chip bags are still there. And basically, any loud noise that happens in this movie, these monsters, the listeners, if you will, are just on you in a matter of seconds. So I just love it um, that people just like, fuck those chips. 
uh, <laughs> that chips will get you killed. <laughs> and I just really like those small details in the movie. Um, it really just impressed me uh, using the sand to walk back and forth over bridges and through town was really, really done well. And I really did love how they use sound in the movie because you get used to that silence. And so whenever there is a sound, you share the tension of the characters. You're like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Especially right. um, since since they show you at the very beginning of the movie exactly what will happen to you if you make too much noise. I mean, they don't really um, they don't really uh, try to mask the the monsters, the listeners um, at all. They really do present them within the first. I'd say five minutes of the film. So um, I really did enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's more of a thriller or a suspense movie than an actual horror film um, to me. I, yeah. I know there's horror elements, but I think the thing that's most masterful in the film is actually the tension in the film. You are on the edge of your seat, you know, because you can't even really fart really loud in this world. That these monsters have taken over. I mean, <laughs> any anything above a few decimals could mean life and death. So as you're watching the movie and the way the 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 uh, actors um, played off of each other, uh, it was just really really fantastic. Now I do have one complaint about this movie. Well, actually, if you want to say two complaints, one I think they showed the monsters much too much. I think the listeners were just much too prevalent. And I don't think it would have been so bad if they just would have used a single practical effect to bring them to life. I, I mean, uh, they kind of ripped off uh, the demigorgon, or I call him Petalhead because he looks kind of like a flower to me. Um, yeah, I was thinking that too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that it looked like the demigorgon to me and they showed it so much. They showed these monsters in their entirety and to me, it kind of takes you out of the situation because you're like, that shit obviously isn't there. So I just wish on some of those close ups, they would have made a, a little ahead of the beast or something like that. And then kind of added some compute CGI for what they couldn't do with practical effects. And I think that's where the biggest leg down. If you're going to show a monster that much, uh, you better make sure that CGI is on point. And anytime they showed a claw or a foot or something like that um, of the beast, it was really, really good because you couldn't see the whole thing. And it really added to the tension. But as soon as they started showing them in their entirety, it just kind of for a second took me out of the moment. So that's my my three minute review or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that was um, just to piggyback off of some of the things that you said about it. Um, yeah, th definitely tension is the the number one word that comes to my mind with this movie. And with tension, I find that in a movie like this, a thriller like this, I love it when a movie purposely is making me think one thing and then they present a scenario and then they present you with the scenario that they know you're thinking about, but then they twist it and turn it in different ways to just make you really enjoy what you're watching. And to me, a perfect example of that is um, is Emily Blunt's character in this movie. In the previews mm -hmm. and everything, you could see that um, she was pregnant and everything. But as you're watching the film, I mean, you can't help but think the moment you see her, 
how in the world is she going to have this child in this situation? I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I, I just, the moment you see that, that, that is just a ringing question that just, that just kept going in my head is how is this going to be even possible? How can you have a baby quietly and not to do any spoilers or anything, but the situation that they wind up putting this character in the, the, the moments where things are pretty pivotal and she kind of has um, her, her moment of dire straits is just amazing. The, the, the situation that she's mm-hmm. put in, the acting that was on display. I love Emily Blunt. I've always been a fan of hers since Devil Wears Prada, actually. And she really brought it in this movie. And there are just some scenes that were so great with her, with the tension, her facials, the 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 way that she portrayed pain and desperation and the and how she was having to be quiet in such a situation. I don't, I'm not, don't want to speak specifically because I just don't want to ruin the film for anybody, but man, it was excellent, excellent stuff. And that's one thing that I, I just wanted to say before I hand it to someone else is just the acting was wonderful in this movie. I mean, you felt for every character you, and John Krasinski was great at that, even though, Really, these characters couldn't speak to each other so much. So that means that there's a real challenge because so much has to be conveyed in your facial expressions, um, how you look at the camera, the timing of the, the the timing with the other characters. So, I mean, my hat is off to his direction and the rest of the acting by the cast. It was superb, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like Emily Blunt, for sure, was the standout of this movie for me um, as same as you, I've always been a huge fan of her. She's very versatile. She can basically do anything, but um, yeah, I think um, not only just the, the scene that, you know, everybody knows from this movie, like the bathtub scene that she's in, like I actually heard an interview with um, John Krasinski and he was talking about how that was only one take <laughs> that they only did that in one take and he just let her do her own thing. And that's what she came up with in like one take which is super impressive, I think. And um, wow. I also, yeah, I know. And I also, I, I, she has a very motherly vibe about her throughout the movie too, maybe because she is a mom, but also because of the character where she's, you can tell like she's trying to hide how scared she is because she knows that the situation is going to be really, really difficult. And she's probably not even fully sure how she's supposed to get through that when the time comes for a baby. Um, so you could see like moments throughout the film where she's, you know, she's trying to be calm and trying to stay strong for her family, but you could tell she's just, she's scared, you know, she doesn't know how it's going to go or what they're going to do. So I agree. The acting was phenomenal. Um, John Krasinski was also really good. Um, he had a very, his demeanor was very, um, he just, he seemed very defeated for his family. You know, you could just tell he was exhausted and tired and, you know, you could just see like this defeated, like, I wish I could do more to help my family. Didn't really seem to care much about what happens, you know, necessarily for him, but just like, I just need to make sure that I keep my family safe kind of thing. And he did that really well too. And something 
I think my favorite element of this film was the um, just all the clever ways that you see them trying to adjust to not having to make any sound. Like they're playing board games and they have felt pieces that they're using so that they don't make sound with it. You know, when they're when they have like an emergency situation, they have lights that they flip the colors so that you know if it's an emergency or not. And just they, they did very clever things to clearly adjust to this world. And I thought it was really well done. So, yes. Well, for the most part, I do agree with you guys. And I, I I do have some differing stuff, though. Like, you know, when Devin says that, you know, he had some issues with like the creatures coming into it and kind of taking him out of it and things like that. I do disagree with some of that because I I just in general like the way the monsters looked. So I never got that, and especially because when the tension did start to go away with it, that was kind of at the end of the movie whenever, you know, it wasn't really about the tension at that point. Like when you really started seeing these monsters isn't whenever, you know, the tension was there. So it didn't take anything out for me. My biggest issue with this was the fact that I don't know why those monsters were killing people because, you know, the whole the whole thing was Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, they're killing people like you you, you think it's because they're they're going to eat them. But every time they showed a dead person, they weren't being eaten and they weren't eaten. They were just slashed or cut up like the old lady in the forest. She was just slashed and cut up. She wasn't eaten. So like, why are these mm. creatures just running around murdering people essentially? And then towards the end and without saying like who dies or anything like that, like there's another character that dies and then the monsters still start attacking the next noise. Well, if they're really doing it to eat, they're not going to give up their kill. Like they would actually stop and mm-hmm. they would not attack something else. They would actually sit there and like, like, you know, and eat their kill. It made no sense to me that these monsters essentially just still went after every noise, no matter what they were doing. So like, that's what took it out for me is just like, <sighs> it, it never said what they were doing with it. Not that they had to necessarily say, but you never see it, you know, like, so essentially it's these creatures were just kind of murdering assholes instead of actually being <laughs> like predators eating prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, I could definitely, um. Under, I could definitely understand that because that was something that the people that I went to see the movie where we were talking with about afterwards, we were like, well, I never really saw them take the the prey, if it was that, and actually eat it. And I never really saw, and that's kind of what I asked them, what was the point of kind of killing what made the noise? Was it to eat? Was it to survive? And we lean towards and i and i mean i really it's hard to talk about this without just telling the ending of the film but i'm going to try without any spoilers but we lean more towards survival just based on how the movie plays out because it's kind of one of those ironic things where you know as far as like strengths being weaknesses weaknesses being strengths sort of thing and what we surmised was that at the as was when we got to the end, we understood it almost as it's the the they're not killing what's making the noise to eat or hunt per se. They're killing the noise in order to survive. And I think it'll make it, it makes at least that's what made sense to me once I got to the end of the movie and speaking with my friends. But yeah, but but as you say. There still is no clear indicator indicator that that's it or that that's not it. Is it hunting or is it for survival? There really is no clear answer to that. So that is true. You don't really get a clear answer. Well, for me, I just thought they are 
super territorial and highly aggressive creatures. You know, mm-hmm. there are some creatures that will just attack and kill anything that comes in its territory. If it sees you, it's going to attack. Um, and so that's kind of how I viewed it is they were just super territorial and, you know, anything that makes sound. I like what you said, killing their weakness, seeing as certain, I mean, yeah, seeing as, uh, seeing as certain sounds could possibly damage them and we don't know i mean that eardrum thing that you saw in there um when it's trying to listen i mean it's huge so you'd have to think Mm -hmm. that um if you're yelling or screaming or something like that it it hurts them so you being loud Mm -hmm. is pretty much an attack to that thing it causes it pain Mm -hmm. so so thinking like that you know it's you know you yelling screaming or making some huge noise is the same as if I came and punched you in the face to that creature. <laughs> yeah, the only thing like I that totally makes sense to me, but also it seems to me they were more like it was almost like they were seeking out to find and kill people or things, mm-hmm. you know, as yeah. opposed to just like I'm protecting myself so I could survive in this world. It seems to me a lot of times like they were seeking out things to hunt and kill. You know, so it, it, yeah, I agree. I think it was a weird, like, in a sense, they just didn't really explain what the the purpose of it was, I guess. But, um, yeah, that is interesting. Maybe that was on purpose, though. You know, maybe they were like, you know, be in the world that they're in where they're like, we don't know what they're doing. We don't know why they're attacking us, you know? If there would have been a scene of somebody like, we, we discovered that the reason they do this is because blah, blah, blah. That just would have been, I mean, mm-hmm. you need to capture one of these things and you need to study it and you need to do like there's so much to find reasoning. I, I don't I don't know if that would have an explanation wouldn't have surmised for me. And and don't get me wrong to my to I, I like the design of the creatures. I think they looked cool. I just mm-hmm. don't necessarily think everything needed to be CGI with them. It just took me out. Some of the scenes just it just looked kind of superimposed to me. Uh, on some of the scenes and I didn't say mm-hmm. it completely took me out but I just I could I just looked at it and I said oh that really does look computer generated you know I that thought crossed my mind you know I wasn't that it just happened you know you can't help that so I like the design of the creatures I'm not knocking it at all but at the same time I thought they could have used a few practical effects just to kind of amp up that terror you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess like part of it is the fact that like I guess I'm so jaded with like computer effects now that just like when I see it, I just automatically just accept it at this point, unless it's just super bad. Like if it's just like so bad that you're just like, oh, that is obviously just, you know, the fakest bullshit you could ever fucking see. Then, you know, then it it does kind of like drive me that way. But for the most part, as long as it's like close or at least just looks well done and just doesn't phase me at this point. Yeah, you understand that. I just want. Me just when, especially when it comes to the horror genre, um, I just really want to see, and, and, and I see a flaw in this in any movie, um, that relies so heavily on, uh, CG. Um, if I'm seeing something that I feel that you can reproduce, I'll give you an example. Um, so I'm pretty sure everybody's seen Alien Covenant by now, right? Yeah. Is that the new one? Okay. So the xenomorphs in those were completely computer generated and they're nowhere near as intimidating as the xenomorphs that was some guy walking around on stilts. And sometimes you just need a man in some stilts. I mean, ask Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Putting a guy in some stilts will, will mess up your childhood. If, you know, so I mean, just, <laughs> you know, so, so 
I uh, I just think that practicality is needed in horror, and I, I can't. I mean, I, I see, you know, CGI, and there's some great CGI out there, and the, and the CGI in this was great, but that is always going to be a pet peeve of mine, especially growing up, and I'm, I'm from the 90s, we're all from the 90s, we know how um, impactful practical effects can be in a movie, and I just, um, that's just not something I, I can, like, just excuse and say, okay, well, that's just what we're in, I think, I think people need to step online, I mean, um... Do more practical effects, please. If if there's anybody who is especially doing a horror movie, please, I beg of you, just a pinch of practicality. That's all I'm asking. I know we need CGI. I love CGI. However, we need more practical effects, especially in horror movies. Them's what makes nightmares, bro. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, we can't just keep holding on to all that nostalgia bullshit from the '90s. Okay, like you have to, you have to let CGI grow. So if you always just like always want practical effects, you're never going to end up getting CGI that can actually push those boundaries. And you know what? Fuck the '90s and fuck '90s movies. I never said I wanted all practical <laughs> effects. I just, I my my ending. I said a pinch of practicality. A light seasoning of practical effect. That's it. Yeah, there was some pra- like season like practical effects. There was like, like real wood and shit what? in the house. Oh my there god! Was, like real Get wood in the house. There really was an egg timer there. <laughs> That's those light okay. bulbs really <laughs> turned red. They didn't CGI all that shit. Okay, there was some real shit there. <laughs> all I'm saying is actually we, some of those we lights just need were CGI. Listen, Man, no, they weren't. They I, I were all real. Accepted CGI. <laughs> Light bulbs it wasn't necessary nothing. in this film. It, it was absolutely <laughs> not necessary to rely so heavily on the creature design. They could have done something, especially with the close-ups. They could have made a head. Okay, but at this point, like practical effects are actually coming to the point to where they are more expensive than CGI. Even good CGI is still cheaper than practical effects. So when you're like essentially a lower budget as far as Hollywood movies go, like this one is, it actually just makes more sense to have it all be CGI. Well, I understand. I understand the ins and outs, and I understand the reasons why it's used. And I, and I completely understand that concept. However, when you incorporate CGI and practical effects, I'll give you an example of a movie that did that really, really good in recent years, like uh, Mad Match Fury Road or um, let me think, what was another great movie? Even like, um, you know, the Avengers movies and things like that. I know those have bigger budgets and things like that. You get a really good result when you combine those two. And especially if you've been combining those practical effects throughout the whole movie and then you have something that's completely inorganic just there, it's something that you notice. Whether you accept it or not, that's a that's a whole nother conversation. But you at least go, hey, you know what? You know, that genuine, that realistic tone that's been set by this movie is being challenged right now, even if it's just for a second. Justin, weigh in on this. Well, um, I mean, watching it, there, there was nothing that really, there wasn't any CGI, in my opinion, that made me cringe in it or anything like that. Like when I saw the monster, it, it I was trying to, all I was thinking about was what it, what monster it kind of looked like. Cause he looked kind of familiar. So I was sitting there going, what like does the he, Demogorgon. What, what does that, yeah. Like, and I was like, what does that look like? Like I've seen something that looks like that. And so I couldn't think of what movie. So it just had me thinking, what does he look like? But as far as the CGI and stuff, I, I get where you're coming from, where maybe they showed too much of the monster at that time, or maybe the close-up. It, it was too much of a close-up, and maybe 
and and, and th- but I do agree with this though. It always did look better when it was lurking in the shadows or it was approaching yeah. from an awkward angle and you couldn't quite see or when it was a little bit of light hits it in the head and then it starts making noises and then it's slowly creeping out of the shadows. It always looked better in those scenarios. Um, but, but, but could it have been better? Could some practical effects have helped it? Maybe so. Uh, it's, it's just so hard to say if it would have helped or hurt it. It kind of depends on how they went about doing that. But, um, and maybe, and especially if maybe there was more like human interaction with the monsters, like, let's just say there was something where, and, and, and it wasn't that kind of monster. This was a kind of monster where a human couldn't struggle with it or anything like that. It would just rip mm-hmm. you apart. And it was pretty simple. But imagine if there had been, if it had been the kind of monster where it's struggling with the dad and they're falling down the stairs or they're wrestling around or something like that, then I think I would see the need for more practical effects. But since it was just kind of a one and done, like you see the shot of him, the, the, and then the movie carries on or whatever. And then bam, I mean, everything kind of happened so quickly and there wasn't enough like interaction with the monster to where I think it mattered as much as far as practical effects. So I think it's kind of situational with me. Once again, I'm not saying that it looked bad or it's just, it's just something that stood out to me. I don't think it looked bad. I don't think that it was stupid. I didn't, but I just, like I said, I think that it, it, the the CGI was the only thing that really kind of made me forget. Just like you said it yourself, you said when you saw the monster, you didn't go, oh, God, that's terrifying. That looks crazy. You went, oh, I think I've seen this before somewhere. Like, that's not You're what saying you saying it's want like the weakest part of the movie, probably. That's, yeah, yeah, I'm saying yeah. that's the weakest part of the movie. And, and, and as far as right. they didn't have a lot of interaction with the monsters, I mean, those monsters are in that house like Thanksgiving at one point in time. Uh, and there was a lot of interaction with those monsters and they got a lot of screen time. I, um, I mean, they did. And so, well, I meant like kind of like physical interaction, like, oh, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like I when they're that, like, I know gr- if they're grabbing at each other, like struggling, I, tussling yeah. and wrestling, stuff like that, where you would where you might need a person in a costume. It's kind of what I was alluding yeah. to. Yeah. And, and I understand that. But what I'm saying is that, um, if we're speaking about interaction with the environment and interacting with the people that are there, not just not just beyond a, a tussle, um, those scenes I think could have just been strengthened by some practicality, or or if not more practical effects, not showing the monsters so much. I just think the scariest scenes in there where you saw a claw, or you saw teeth, or you saw a silhouette, like you said, or you saw the light hit it. And I miss that old school monster movie where you get these glimpses of the creature, because especially in this movie where they're trying to put you in the shoes of the survivors. I think that's so necessary to shoot it like that. So claustrophobic. I mean, you can say let go of that 90s shit, Sterling. But if this didn't feel like Alien or The Thing or something like that to you, you 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 if you didn't see them paying homage to those monster films, then I, I just think that you're deliberately being ignorant of those facts. So you could tell the influences of those films in there. And I would, the best those monsters ever looked 
is that one scene when, when they were in the basement, um, when the when the water was coming in and you and it was red. <laughs> that is when yeah. that was that was enough to make you go. I am about to wee myself. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I don't want any more of it. I don't want any more of it. And and that was enough of the monster to show you could they could have never showed any more detail of those monsters. And that would have stuck with you and you never would have went, hmm, I wonder where I've seen this before, because that is not the reaction you want when you reveal your monster. Mm. No, I get that. I'm saying that, yes, while it does pay homage to all those like previous, like, you know, 80s horror films and things like that. I like I said, though, like the difference is, is nowadays, like it's just they're not going to do that with that kind of a budget. They they don't have like, you know, when your budget's on a on a lower scale, they're not going to always opt for practical effects, because essentially, as far as the studio is concerned, this movie probably isn't going to make any money. Like it does have J- uh, John Krasinski in it, and it does have Emily Blunt in it. And that can be something. But at the same time, it's John Krasinski doing a horror movie for his first time, or it's Emily Blunt, you know, under the direction of her husband for the first time. So, you know, they're not going to give it the type of money to do stuff like that. And in doing so, like I said, I don't feel like that, like in any way, shape or form hurt this movie. Like, honestly, I just don't even give a fuck that it didn't have any practical effects in it whatsoever with the monsters. Like it like because the little bits they did have when it was that close proximity effect with everything, I never even ended up focusing on the monsters in some of the situations. I was just focused yeah. on the people. So it, it, it didn't even like pull my attention away from anything or anything like that or take me out of it in any way, shape or form because I just wasn't even like focused on that at that time. Like, so it just was just a complete non-factor to me. Yeah. And I just, to piggyback off of that, I would say um, you're you're right. Like this is a movie that's very story driven and character driven, and I think because of that, even though I do agree, Devin, that the probably that it was the weakest part of the movie, it it didn't really take away from it because it's a very story and character driven movie, and that part was top notch all the way across. So I think that that's why even though they didn't have as big of a budget for it and for the, you know, the monsters or the creatures or whatever, it still worked for what it was. And with that, you know, the story driven and everything like that, not to to hark anymore on Devin's point, but I but I also agree that that monster, the showing of the monster and everything like that, that was the weaker part of the film. I can agree with that too. But also just kind of the, to the previous points we were making about some of the lack of exposition we got. I also think that that's also the the strength of the film. The fact that we were just kind of thrusted in. We we were put in the same situation as the characters. We didn't have very many answers. There were news articles and stuff like that giving us clues as to what they had found out or in this case didn't know because not a lot of details were known about these attackers. So just... I mean, the fact that there wasn't a lot of exposition and it was more just about the ki- this family in this situation, how are they going to survive? How are they going to possibly do this? I think that really is the strength of the film. So that's why other elements like the monster, maybe his appearance, maybe the CGI use of the monster is a little weaker in this film because a lot of time was just spent on We've got to make the experience that these characters go through. That has to be so pivotal that the other stuff almost just paled in comparison to that. So I just kind of wanted to 
piggyback off of what she said, that story-driven stuff. For me, though, I, I will say this. The weakest part of this movie to me was that four-year-old at the beginning. And that's all I'm going <laughs> to say about that. You bastard. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> but the girl, um, the daughter, she was awesome. She was phenomenal in that role. And I think she doesn't have a lot of like film credit before this movie, but she was really good in it. She is, too. <laughs> she this is her, too well. This was her second part. No, no, no. This oh, was her second she film, has is what two. I was saying. Okay. She has two. Got it. This is, she has two film credits on her IMDb. This is the second one. This other, the other one was a movie called Wonderstruck. Okay. Oh, I've actually heard of that. I've actually heard of that. And I'm going to get this right. The actress's name is, is Millicent, right? Millicent Simmons. Yes. Millicent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, millimeter. Um, but, um, <laughs> but I want to give one more big... I want to give, I do want to give, because I don't want, I don't want to leave this podcast where people think I didn't love this movie because I really did enjoy it. Um, I just like to make sure whenever I'm watching something, I, I look for strengths and weaknesses. And I want to give um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt a big high five for being able to have the same chemistry they have in real life on screen, because I can't... Mm-hmm. Uh, the countless times couples have starred in movies together and you're like, Oh, they're married. So this should be really easy. And it's just God awful. There are some very tender <laughs> loving scenes in that movie between just the two of them. Uh, and it, it, for, it just felt like my own marriage at some points in times, especially when they were running mm-hmm. from the monsters, except in my life, the monsters are the children. So, <laughs> well, I mean that makes sense. They hear a noise and they run to it. No, um, to answer your question from earlier, Wonderstruck came out in 2017. Okay, so she's been essentially been in movies for like last year and this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going. This is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. So if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're for whatever reason still fucking listening to this, close your ears for a little bit. <laughs> the one thing that really bothered me though is in this world of silence. You have to be so deathly quiet to survive. Why are they fucking in it getting pregnant? That just seems like as much as they strategized and as much as they planned everything out, they're like putting pathways of sand everywhere and all this other bullshit. Why are they fucking and getting pregnant? Yeah, why are you still hitting it <laughs> raw in this world? I mean, I know that there were just condoms <laughs> everywhere. And from the timeline, they would still have been good. And so would birth control. I mean, they made no attempts. I mean, to avoid another pregnancy. Yeah, it makes no sense because this isn't too much of a spoiler if you're still listening for whatever reason. But, you know, they they lose a kid like like 80 days into it. And then the next thing you see is like 400 and something days in. So they're well into a year of all this shit going on. And for some reason, I mean, I guess I guess at this point it's a year. So she's nine months in. So, all right, let's just assume that like. That means that, like, right after all this shit at the beginning of the movie, they're like, you know what? We're going to fucking have a baby. Let's do this. <laughs> like, what sense does that make? Because, well, granted, I don't have kids of my own. I, from my experience with, with babies and everything, they are just the loudest fucking death machines ever. I'm just going to do my best to try to answer the question. Um, I just think that the fact that his wife is Emily Blunt, I'm pretty sure that it was just... <laughs> A good session <laughs> and maybe it just you know he forgot in the heat of the moment all right you know what I, I i mean i understand i understand 
the whole like oh wanting to have sexual relations with with your wife and all that other stuff but i'm saying why are they not taking precautions I mean, like I said, they're planning everything out to where they've got an electrical grid for their house. They've got diversionary noise machines for everything, and they can't pick up some condoms or some birth control pills or, I don't know, pull out. Like, I mean, be like a (laughs) 17-year-old kid at that point. Something. Like, why why are you being that drastically irresponsible? Although, I will say, um, and spoiler alert for people, um, (laughs) but... Maybe they wanted to have a kid because they lost a kid, you know? So maybe it was kind of a way to still feel like they had, you know, that kid, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I get that. I I get that they lost a kid. I'm going to say that before the apocalypse, they were like wealthy people because uh, that seems like a wealthy person's uh, mindset. Like, you know, we lost a baby. Let's have another one. But like Mm -hmm. when you're... When you're when you're not so wealthy and well off, when you're with the other ninety nine percent, like when you get pregnant, you're like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be happy, but oh, man, that's a doozy. <laughs> so I, so I can't even imagine like being pregnant in the apocalypse. I just I I'd be like, man, I you know I really don't want this to happen. Like, I mean, Sterling, you don't want to bring a kid into this world. Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, none, one nonetheless run by crazy monsters. Yeah, yeah, populated by by sound bigot monsters. Yeah, because like based on the timelines presented in the movie, they were well into this. They were well into the scenario, and they completely understood that the monsters were attacking sound. It wasn't like something that like she was pregnant and then the apocalypse happened. No, no, well, no. You know what? They went and got pregnant during the apocalypse. Wait, if you look at the timeline, though, it could possibly, she could have possibly been in um, the beginning stages of pregnancy because I think the kid died in day well, no, 89 no, no. or something like that. Well, yeah, he died at 89, and then the rest of the movie takes place like 490 something. So that's over a year. Oh, past. I thought it said 350 something. Also, I thought it was 350 then. Um, no, sorry, no, 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 no. It's, it's in the 400. So that means, were, like, yeah, that means at least yeah. two years passed. Yeah, you're, you're right. So, I yeah, mean, so a year I had mean, passed from the beginning incident and the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that it's, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to have a kid during the apocalypse. I'd say, hey, let's, let's, uh, figure out how not to die before we bring some more of that, <laughs> their life in here. Uh, that'd be really good. Oh, I, I actually have a great name for the monsters. Uh, the librarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the what? I missed that. What'd you say? The, the librarians. The librarians. Yes. yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a gonna, good one. I'm going to cut that out because no, it's not. Don't, don't give him any credit. No, it's yes. not. That's what they're called. I they're called it. the librarian. <laughs> you know it's good. We you all get good. it. It wasn't that you know we didn't good. get it. It's just bad. <laughs> it's a dad joke. I'm a dad. I have to, I have them. Dad jokes, I've got them. People will laugh. You, at you that. Know no. You I don't care. No no one no one in. wants to hear that. My <laughs> life is sadder you know than I've heard that. <laughs> no, listen. No one wants to hear a lot of things. 
however you still do. Just like the noise, the librarians, they didn't want to hear any noise, but they heard it <laughs> and they acted. And you know what acting I've never wished is going to come when that the sound of the masses more than masses, right now. When the masses hear about the librarians, <laughs> the reaction will be laughter. That is what it will no, be. No, it won't. Yes, you it were going to get a sum total cannot, of, the, of Heather I can't laughing. Wait to and get that's my it. call. I can't wait to get my call from John <laughs> Krasinski and go a quiet, a quieter place. The sequel to a quiet <laughs> place. I can't wait to dub my creatures the librarians. I can't wait to get my call from Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle going. Man, can you write some material for us? Because that was fantastically funny. <laughs> Yeah, no one's ever going to tell you that. <laughs> that is so going to happen. <laughs> and then you're going to be over here. Boo, hoo, 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 hoo. I was a hater and it's all recorded. Oh, why me? Why must I hate everything? Why? Why can <laughs> I just accept, like I accept unnecessary CGI? That's going to be you. <laughs> See, the, the, the problem with your little hypothesis of all this happening is None of that's going to happen because no one's going to laugh at that other than Heather. No one is going to call Jackson you. Laughed. You're probably going to get calls of death threats from it because it was that bad of a joke. <laughs> You're going to have Kevin Hart and Steve Chappelle call you and tell you they're quitting comedy because if that's considered funny, they don't want to be a part of it anymore. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just still on. I'm still thinking about Emily Blunt. Like y'all act like y'all wouldn't make a mistake with Emily Blunt. I mean, y'all just, I just still on that. I, listen, man, I can't get listen, off that. Man, I listen. I can't I'm get not off in the that. apocalypse. Listen, my wife is a tantalizing woman. She's very sexy, and I've been with her for ten years. My youngest son is three years old. My eldest is five. So we were able, without the the seduction of the apocalypse, able to go 21 months without <laughs> having another child. I mean, their four-year-old died. And if she's not much pregnant, they, they, it, would it be in 470-something days, they were like, oh, our kid is dead. I'm grieving and so sad. For like... 90 days and then they were like well got to get back on that old horsey chin up and ass out <laughs> and i mean there are just so many methods that even in the apocalypse you can you can still do things with emily blunt, blunt justin and not get pregnant yeah but what if they also <laughs> but what if they just found out kind of late like what if when she started when she realized she was they they kind of were like uh-oh what do we do and then she was just like, let's have it. We can't. And, we you can't know, kind of like, back no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like positing any of that scenario. I'm saying in the initial, what leads up to having a kid, you know, the whole sex thing, they could have just not, you know, done that to the degree of where they're going to possibly get pregnant. It's like all these people in like the walking dead and all these zombie films and all this other stuff. Like people having babies like well into the apocalypse. Like, why don't you let the apocalypse settle down a little bit first? <laughs> like, you know, get some real things going before you're sitting there procreating. Like, get to where you can speak in public before you have a child. Like that. Like, <laughs> hey, let's. 
Like, you remember that guy, Todd, who we hung out with, and he had explosive diarrhea, and he farted too loud, and one of those things ripped him to shreds? We ought to wait. <laughs> or, or just the whole fact of, like, oh, <laughs> let's not have to worry. If we play Monopoly, they're going to kill us. Like, at yeah. least make sure your whole basement's that sure. soundproof. You know, yeah. you're Monopoly-proof. Because if you're Monopoly-proof, you're probably going to be baby-proof at that point. Okay? Yeah. Like, Can we that just means get they went and got tiles, pregnant and then went, tiles. oh. Yeah, just something. Like, that's what that's what drove me nuts with all that. I mean, I get that, but, I mean, you know, mistakes happen. Right. Yeah. They, they yeah, did. But, but these are like 30-something-year-old adults. They're not 18-year-old kids in the back of a car. <laughs> as in, no, as in... It does. It doesn't bother me enough. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. There's a lot of scenarios for Listen. that, and I liked. Um, I liked Heather's um, explanation too. You know, they lost the kid, so maybe somewhere in the subconscious, in the back of the mind, they're like, "Man, you know, we're we're gonna get it right this time." You know, part like of maybe family. just subconsciously. Yeah. yeah, we're missing part of our family. Right. So I, I like that. I feel like. That's why it happened. You know, I feel like I feel like I feel like maybe John Krasinski was like, man, I need a reason for some of these scenes to happen, but I don't want to make people <laughs> mad. So I need a device here, uh, uh, some sort of device, not a lever, not um, not a wheel, uh, not a clock. I need a different device, uh, a, a plot 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 device a plot device yes a plot <laughs> device will make this scene much better and so it's okay it's not the first time you know somebody's used a child to push their own agenda it's fine no big deal but that baby was a plot <laughs> device and we all know it so that's just it was a plot device that's why she got pregnant not it's a plot device because because no matter how well, far your that. wife is in the apocalypse no matter how fine your wife is in the apocalypse, you're probably not going to be trying to have no babies. And if you do, you're probably going to be dead. Well, well, like wow. I said, we'll go back to what, what, what Heather and Justin said when they were talking about how like replacing a child. The thing is, is they were such poor parents with that first child. Why would you want to do it with something <laughs> yes. that literally can't control its own noise? Yes. Agreed, Sterling. She even admits it in the movie. She goes, and you can cut this out. We're just kind of talking now. She's like, I should have held my kid. Yeah, you should have. Who lets a four-year-old? I don't let my youngest child walk behind us at the grocery store in the safest time in human history. Why would you do that during the apocalypse? That but I think they expected the daughter to be walking with him or holding his hand. Oh, your your yeah, but she's deaf. Who can't hear sound? That one. <laughs> I'm just saying. That daughter. That the one who can't hear. That one. She may expect her to take care of the situation. The one who is uh, disabled. Yeah, that's still that poor one, planning on their part. That's so they, bad parenting. They should not have kids. As a parent, as a parent, they're bad parents. I would. I don't let my kids are in front of me at all times. Period. Especially the youngest one, because here's a little known fact about the youngest child. You know, when they're toddlers, they're usually the stupidest child. So, so <laughs> that means they're going to probably do. I'll try not to be offended by that thing. statement. <laughs> no, I just said when they're babies, not not when you grow up. I mean, of course, but when they're babies, if you have a five year old and a three year old, 
typically the three-year-old is going to be the most stupid in that in that time frame. And so that's going to be the <laughs> child that's going to, I don't know, make a lot of noise so a sound monster can kill him or her. I'm pretty sure the, 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 the librarians are equal opportunity murderers or slaughterers or disembowelers. Quit saying that. Um, um, <laughs> disembowel? Okay, I will stop saying disembowel. <laughs> That is an offensive term. I hate you so damn You know much. what isn't offensive? Librarian. <laughs> Nobody's ever gotten mad. <laughs> anyway. Except for Sterling. Sterling got mad. But, but even then, well, like, going back to that, like, if you can't control four-year-old, critics. if you can't control a four-year-old from making noise, how can you control a baby from making noise? With, um, um, yeah. a- anesthesia. Anesthesia. They saw that. They had anesthesia, for Christ's sake. Well, no, they were so That planned. wasn't anesthesia. That was just an no, no, no. That, that was an oxygen tank, so they can put it in the soundproof box and it can still breathe. Oh, I was like, I, I, I'm glad you clarified that. I was like, wouldn't that kill the baby? <laughs> like, wouldn't no, that kill the baby? I, I was confused at first. Like, when I first saw I it, like, I was confused also. That. But when they put it in there, it made sense to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just you, oxygen. Thank you for clarifying, because I missed that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, um, I was like, but doesn't that kill? You can't just dose up a baby with anesthesia. You can't just put him under every time he cries. Shh, shh, just go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a plan to bath the child every time he got the rest. Apparently, I didn't have any No, that would be a plot twist. I didn't have any. Yeah. It's just like giving your kid Benadryl <laughs> when they don't want to go to sleep. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just medical grade. Medical grade Benadryl. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just saying I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, okay? I don't I don't you know, I'm not a doctor. So and they obviously had some medical knowledge. How are we supposed how was I supposed to know they weren't putting their kid under? I mean, babies have surgery too, and they usually turn out fine. My baby went under. He was fine. He was like three months old. He wasn't three hours long old though, so maybe. Oh, another. Yeah, but you thing had anesthesiologists with that though. We don't know what they did before that. You don't know. The dad was obviously some type of Rick Moranis like inventor. Um, and I mean, he was using books. He wasn't. He wasn't sitting there doing that shit off the top of his head. He was reading books. Oh, because inventors don't use books. They just go off the top of their head. They don't use any reference materials. Come on, man. I've never once seen an inventor read, so I can't confirm nor deny that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't have any real life evidence. I saw no books in Rick Moranis's, you know, study in, in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So going to your reference, no, inventors don't read. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh man <laughs> true genius i mean do any of you remember seeing a single book in that in that movie in honey i shrunk the kids i don't recall <laughs> yes i just saw there were you know, no books i in just that saw house. a really big oatmeal cookie and i like that's always i've always wanted to be in the scenario when i was looking at oreo cookie the size i mean of an oatmeal cookie the size of a house I was like, oh, that would be the greatest day ever. As long as it was fresh. <laughs> if it had been out for a couple of days, it'd be really bad. But Yeah, but I mean, when you're that small, though, you can get to the innards of the cookie and still probably be fine, though. 
Well, I was just saying because there'd be a lot of stuff fighting over it. You know, there'd be bugs crawling all over it. And, you know, it just, and, and if it was, and you know, we're from Texas, man. So if uh, an oatmeal cookie is out in summer, is man, it just it for days, and it was like a two story cookie. It that'd be a mess. It'd be awful. You'd never be able to clean it up. Molten cream everywhere. Yeah, but you're you're saying all that, but like there were bugs on it because that's a big turning point in the movie. There was a gigantic fucking ant on the oatmeal cookie. Yeah, but so that you're was just kind of describing bug. what happened in the movie. No, that was <laughs> one bug, and they became friends with it. Anyway. They Man, we are getting anti- insanely off topic of this now. The scorpion killed him. Oh, yeah. that's a yes, we know. We, saw, we all saw Honey and Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> but, you're acting like you just okay. can't work this out in post. Work it out in post. Yeah, but I'm not going to because that's just ridiculous. Anyway, let's go to this. <laughs> let's just say final scores, Devin. What is your score for the movie? On a, like a, a, a percentile scale, what would you grade it? Um. I give it a solid 83%. 83. Heather, what do you give it? Um, I, based on the fact that my, my only issue with it is it doesn't seem like it's too much of a rewatchable movie. Um, it just seems like something like once you've seen it once, then you've seen it kind of thing. Um, I don't give it an A, but I would say probably about an 88%. Jasmine? I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with anything from, I mean, if it was a letter grade, maybe like B plus, A minus, somewhere in there, probably around anywhere from, I'd say about, I think it's a 90. I I would go higher than you guys. I think a 90. Um, Just because it was innovative, it's one of the better thrillers that has come out in quite some time. Um, Yeah. Given the acting, I think the acting was very strong in this movie. And I think it'll be one of the more memorable films. It's already one of the more memorable films to come out this year. And I think that will, by the time we get to the end of the year and we're looking at all the thrillers that are going to come out of 2018, I think this will still be there. It'll still be on the top list. Mm-hmm. So I think it deserves that. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it deserves is, at least uh, I think this is, I think this is going to be the, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ. How do I forget the name of this film? Um, get Out. The Get Out? Get, yeah, the get, the get Out of 2018. It's directed by this mm-hmm. comedian, um, you know, who's known for their comedic <laughs> roles. Uh, it's genre-changing. Um, right. And, uh, I think it's really good. So I changed my rating 85. I just can't go into the 90s. I'm going to agree more with Jasta on this. I'll give it, I'll give it like a 91. Um, I think... You know, 90, 91, somewhere in there, whatever. And then because I, I'm going to disagree with Heather. I think I'm actually looking, I'm looking forward to watching this again. I'm going to wait till it comes out on iTunes and I'm, I've already got pre-ordered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely watching it again. Cause I'm, I'm curious to see like other little things I might've missed. Yeah. I mean, I would see it again, but I just feel like the, the general like scare of it and the feel of seeing it in theaters, like with how everybody has to be so quiet when you're watching it and just that tension. I just don't think that tension will be as much there any other time you watch it, but it is definitely a a movie that, you know, it's, it's still a good movie even without that because the story itself is good. No, I agree with that. Yep. And so with that, we'll close this cool. podcast out. This was supposed hey, to be a mini episode. But okay. I have one more, just one more before we go. 
A Quiet Place is making a lot of noise in the box office. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good stuff. Although you can actually read um, a more in-depth review of it on our website as well, just so that you guys know. For for those of you who are not inventors, because we know now that inventors do not read. <laughs> yes, they don't. So if you're an inventor, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to listen to our podcast review of this. But if you are an actual person that can read, then it is up on the com, And then we are say um you know you should check that out you should check out our threadless store we have a link to that on the website too and also a big shout out to podcast garden for all your podcast hosting needs they're super cheap they give you analytics they give you unlimited space unlimited episode length it's a really good thing to check out if you want to do a podcast and i'm gonna have to edit out jason's breathing at the very end of this through all this so thank you guys for listening thank you (laughs) 